Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about legacy. Uh, you were handed a, a worship guide, a bulletin, whatever you want to call it, a sheet of paper when you came in. Turn on the back of that. It says, Legacy of David. If you have a copy of the Scriptures, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23, 24, 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles. Oh, you, oh, excuse me. You can't do all that one time. Just turn to 2 Samuel 23. As I was thinking about today, in America, there's a, a growing realization among Americans, and it's very obvious that due to a variety of economic factors that have hit us since around 08, 09, that the next generation likely could live a far lower standard of living maybe than we've enjoyed to those who preceded them. And that seems unfortunate. It seems like, well, man, that's kind of pessimistic and you know, and we're hedonistic and materialistic and all these istics and consumeristic and on and on and on. But today I want to talk to you about something. You're saying, well, my parents or my grandparents or my great-great-grandparents left this for me. Because when you talk about legacy, somewhere in there, we're, we're Westerners. We always tend to equate that sometimes with money. And we'll say, how much are you going to, how much are you going to leave me? And every once in a while you talk to somebody and they go, hey, I don't plan to leave you nothing. I'm going to spend it all. You're like, I don't want them in my family. And the scripture even talks about an inheritance, and I'll touch on that from Proverbs, that whether we have a little or a lot, we can all leave a legacy that matters so much more than a monetary. And that's our faith that we pass on from generation to generation. And it's the legacy that's eternal. It's the legacy that counts. It's the legacy that sometimes gets forgotten. Right across the top of your worship guide, look at there with me. I want you to fill this in. We need to have a strong testimony for Christ. And that is the very thing that we believe. I've been redeemed. I've been saved by the blood of Christ. But we also need to move from testimony to leaving a legacy which will continue through the lives of those whom we impact and influence. And we all have influence. We really do. Building a legacy worth leaving behind, it starts tomorrow. That's not what it says. It begins today. So this morning you came in here going, Pastor, I've been building a legacy for Christ for decades. Awesome. You're a teenager. You go, I started walking with Christ when I was young. Awesome. You're a young adult. You go, I just came back to Christ. Awesome. You're saying, but pastor, I got one foot in the grave. Awesome. Well, I don't know how awesome that is. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? Are you going to leave a legacy that's eternal, a legacy that's going to far speak? You, you know, as a pastor, we give eulogies. And people usually say really nice things about you. They eulogize you. The only bad thing is you get eulogized. You leave a legacy. You're dead. You don't hear it. You don't receive it. You don't hear all those nice, sweet affirmations. But when we live this life, God says, what kind of legacy are you going to leave to those that follow you, that you precede them in death? So David, the great king of Israel, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. He knows something about legacies. I've been studying his life. And he knew that legacy would impact future generations. The legacy of King David has impacted your life and mine more than you know. 
If you've ever read the Psalms, and of the 150, somewhere between 73 and 75, depending on what scholar you read, they attribute half the Psalms to this man we've been talking about for five weeks, King David. Awesome. I like it when I read about Hezekiah. He did a lot well. But you know what about Hezekiah and so many other kings? They didn't finish well. And I'd write in the margin today, finish well. It's not how you start the Christian life, it's how you finish. A lot of people start, man, they're blazing, they're running a hundred yard dash. Man, they got this thing down. But then they crash and burn and destroy people in their path. So as I look at this, it's, I fought the good fight, I finished the good course. But I want you to write down Proverbs 13, 22. Listen to this wise word. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. And that's something about monetary value. And there's nothing wrong, and it's actually good that we want to leave something for our kids, for our grandkids, for our great-great-grandkids, and, and we do that. But then Proverbs 16, 16, I want you to hear this. How much better it is to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen above silver. What's God's business? big prize God's prize his goal is wisdom oh maybe you get riches maybe you don't but God says I want you to have wisdom that you know me that you fear me a hundred and ten times at least the word fear is used the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom it doesn't say it's the beginning of foolishness it says it's the beginning of wisdom it's wise to gain understanding and to know God and to walk humbly with him and Hezekiah, earlier in his life, he had experienced a miraculous healing in his life. And you thought, if somebody's received a miracle, then they would always uh, be thankful. They'd always be faithful. They, they would hang in there. But if you read on in the scriptures about the life of Hezekiah, it doesn't go so well toward the end. He listened to others, and he was influenced enough by them to show every treasure in his kingdom. The Babylonians were able to scope out a future, a military target. And Hezekiah, by not seeking God's insight of thinking the future generations, things end up kind of bad for him. Just right in the margin, 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 17 and 18. And I just think about us. If we're not careful, if we have a, a selfish perspective, it doesn't end well for us either. And God, I think, wants to speak to us about the life of David. I'm going to teach you a lot that I have learned and that I've studied about this king. But I want to keep driving one thread today. Legacy. Legacy. That it'll just run through your heart. It'll run through your life. It'll run through your spirit. And you'll begin to go, God, I want to, I want to not live a life that I think I am entitled to anything. Uh, this whole entitlement thing... <laughs> don't get me started I, i'm not in, into entitlement I, I think we should work the bible says that we reap that which we sow so hard so in the spirit so diligently to eternal life in jesus christ and you shall reap a reward for your sowing in living walking the narrow road of faith it's a wonderful thing but if we're not careful we can lose our urgency we can lose our passion and our hearts can grow cold and, and calloused and hard. And we fall away from the things of faith that we once considered special and blessed and warm and endearing and 
endearing to her heart and that changed her lives. And, and this morning when we come to the communion table, we could go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Jesus loves me, yeah. Yeah, Jesus shed his blood, oh, yeah. It's Thanksgiving, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> whoa, 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 time out. Have an attitude check this morning. Lord, help us to, to see what you have. And when you read about these different kings in Scripture and Manasseh and different ones, and, and they would suffer, or, or they, they would eventually suffer, but they would go against God's mark, against God's direction. And God got angered many times in Scripture. And future generations suffered as a result of the sin. It's the, the generational sins of our fathers. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I just want you to think about it. Some of you this morning have suffered greatly generational sins of your past, of your legacy that preceded you, and it wasn't good. Now, Don and I love to tell our story about who we are in Jesus and how great the mercy of God came to us in the, in the 70s. Donna first became a Christian in high school. She's always been smarter than me and got it before I did, okay? Don't say amen. That would not encourage me. So she gets it about her junior year in high school. She radically meets the Savior. I wait to go off to party school and, and run a quarter of myself running my life, and then I collapse, and then I find the Savior. So the 70s, I think we had a lot of good music in the 70s, and people said, oh, you're just jealous. Okay, whatever. It was awesome. I'll break out some disco on this stage sometime. Anyway, but, but, but the bottom line is, 70s was good because I tasted grace and I saw how good God was in, in these future generations. But sometimes, when I think about legacies, I, I think about the investments that we make and parents make and grandparents make. They make investments into the, into the next generation. This thing about being a grandparent now, it's fun because I get to invest into another scope, another decades of life, those little ones that will grow up and mature and and they'll move on, and they'll have generations if the Lord tarries, and it's just an investment. And, and so I get excited about a lasting impact, an imprint. Uh, you know, when I think about, when I read the Psalms, David, over and over, he says, I order my life around the Lord. My orientation is around God. He's the str strength. He's the stronghold of my life. I will trust in God. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear lots of evil. I will fear no evil. David penned those words. David knew something. And today you, you, you read scriptures, you go to a service, and you'll hear something, oh, we're going to read this 23rd Psalm. If we're not careful, we just blow through it. Man, David, he knew, man, he'd been against the valley of death so many times, and God delivered him. Huh. I go, God, what a God, what a God. I want you to look right here at the questions. I want you to draw a box around that on your notes today. Two questions. What legacy do I want to leave? Everybody has to ask that question. You're going to leave a legacy. You have to participate. You can't go, I, I, I don't want to. <laughs> That's okay. You get to. You're going to leave a legacy. And it can be nasty and fleshy and horrific and sinful and self-edifying and just not good or look at the next question how can I set the direction of my life so that I can leave that kind of legacy a legacy that's eternal a legacy that promotes God a legacy that advances the kingdom of Christ 
That's the legacy. That's the one I want to get in on. I want to set the direction of my life that it, it, it revolves around Jesus and Jesus gets the praise and it's about Jesus and the legacy. See, we, we say our legacy, but our legacy, when we really get it right biblically, our legacy is about God. David kept saying, but I point to Messiah King. I point to the anointed one of Israel, a point to the one of heaven, a point to a suffering savior, a point to one yet to come. David knew. His name was Jesus. And we look back and we can see the history of the Old Testament. We can see King David and then we can come up and see the life of Christ. And then we can see the death and the burial and the resurrection and the coming again of Christ. We long for that. Oh, and then he sends the Holy Spirit. I, I just get excited. So I want you to fill in here 2 Samuel 23. Look there with me. Starting in verse 1. These are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, speaks. David, the man who was raised up so high. And boy, was he lifted up high. David, the man anointed by the God of Jacob. And he was anointed. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. When was the last time you said David? You're the sweet psalmist. I don't know about you, friend, but I love the psalms. I read the psalms a lot. I've been reading the psalms for years. It will be the habit of my life till the day I draw my last breath. Because in the psalms, I, I see myself. I see my tendency to wander. I see my tendency to fall away. I, send my, I see my tendency to be a mess. I see my tendency to be in distress. I see my tendency to need deliverance. I just see me. Do y'all see yourself in the Psalms when you read the Psalms? If you don't, then why not? Do you know him? Because he, he will show himself. But let's go on here. Verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His words are upon my tongue. The God of Israel spoke, the rock of Israel said to me, the one who rules righteously, who rules in the fear of God, is like the light of the morning at sunrise, like a morning without clouds, like the gleaming of the sun on the new grass after a rain. An awesome metaphor. It is not my family God has is it not my family God has chosen? Yes, he has made an everlasting covenant with me. It's a whole message in itself, the God making a covenant with David and then God making covenants with us. His agreement is arranged and is guaranteed in every detail. He will ensure my safety and success, but the godless are like the thorns to be thrown away, for they tear the hand that touches them. One must use iron tools to chop them down. They will totally be consumed by the fire. And you read that and you see, I just feel right in the blank, leaders. David is a leader. He's God's man after God's heart. And he leads armies. And we, and we see here in Scripture about these mightiest warriors. And we see David's 30 mighty men. And we read about these people that came and they served King David. And they had an allegiance to the king. It, it's, it's a wonderful thing as I look about being a leader here. This biographical sketch. This young man that goes from sheep pen, from peasant to royalty. He has a son, as we've learned. And his name was Solomon. He had a lot of sons, but he had Solomon. And Solomon's mom was, who was Solomon's mom? Bathsheba. You can say it in church. It's okay. I mean, they, they lost a son we talked about last week because of their sin. And then God gives them a gift. And we'll see in a minute, man, about how great this gift is, Solomon. But, but God does give them a gift. And, and, and so, you know, when I think about legacy, I think about, we're king's kids. We're, we're royalty. 
Ron Hutchcraft had this line that I learned years ago, and I've just adopted. I love it. He goes, if you're a Christian, you are a representative of the royal court of heaven. You literally, I am a Christ follower. I follow Jesus. Then I represent, you represent the court of heaven. So I want you to write this thought. Don't trash the name. Don't trash the name Jesus. Don't trash the name Christian. So many times Christians, man, you know, like I've, I've noticed today Christians get blamed for everything. Have you noticed that? If it's wrong, they go, it must be the Christians. Really? I think it's the Christians the only reason God hadn't just taken us out. You know what I'm saying? I think it's the remnants the only reason America's standing. How many believe that? I think it's the remnant. The remnant is the goodness of God. And we emphasize here God. One thing I learned about David as I've read and studied his life, David had a lot of accomplishments, and maybe you do. But David always, many times, came back to the position he boasted in God, not his accomplishments, but who God was and how faithful God was. And, and then, so you can read down these sections, and I could go through it with you forever. And then I just want you to write in the word followers, verses 8 through 39. L look at this in verse 8. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors, Jashabim, Hakamanite. And we're going to, we're going to, and down here, it looks like something else, but it's Dodo in the Hebrew. I mean, like, what's your kid's name? Dodo. <laughs> and, 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 and you just try some of these names. And then he's got this one guy down here. This guy, all he does is he protects the, the field with lentils. I mean, I'm thinking, huh? He gets in scripture and, and you just read all down through here and you see these mighty men. But here's what I want you to know about legacy. Some of you go, well, well, pastor, I'm not going to be a missionary. I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to be a CEO. I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not being an accountant. I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to be that. And I do this and I do that. And um, pastor, I'm second fiddle. I'm second chair. Do you know what I learned about orchestras? The hardest chair to fill is second fiddle. Because people don't want to play second fiddle. They want to play first. And I'm just thinking about, man, sometimes it's like, man, maybe God's assigned a second fiddle, and that's okay. It's a legacy, and it brings honor to Christ. And I think some of the most memorable people are the people that never got some high, lofty, exalted position. But, man, they were just faithful. They, they, just, they just honored Christ. And so let's, you go down through these names, and you can, you can list these with me. But I want you to look over here. Move down to verse 15, 23, 15. David remarked longly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. Matter of fact, uh, would, would somebody get my water next to my wife and just bring it up here? Because I would like some water. I, I really would. I, it, is, it is. Are y'all as hot as I am? I am like, I am like porched. Parched. Porched. What is porch? I'm parched. Thank you, sweetheart. Are, are, are y'all sweating? Okay, well, somebody do something about it, because it's like, it's nasty in here, okay? I mean, I'm sorry, I almost wore a sweater today, and all I can say, I want to give praise to my God. He didn't let me get a sweater out of the closet this morning. Had I got a sweater, I would have disrobed right here in front of you. Okay, let's, let's keep going. What does it have to do with the text? Nothing, just chill. Let's get back to it. There's a great story. Water made me think of it. Okay, here it is. Oh, how I would love some of that good water. Thank you, sweetie from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and they brought it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Okay, wait a minute, let me be biblical. Okay, I drink it. Look what he did. Instead, 
He poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. Here, here's what I know. David was the king. He was in charge. He was a ruler. He wanted a cup of water. And these men were so faithful that they served him. They, they risked their lives to get... We just blow through that section. I've, I've read this so many times, I've just blown through it. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. To get water... They risk their life for their king. But look what David shows. David shows humility, and he shows a passionate friendship. It says that he did what? I cannot drink this. This will be an offering to the Lord, and he gave God praise. And I'm like, wow, what am I willing to sacrifice? I like what Mother Teresa said. We could do no great things, she said, only small things in this life with great love. You know, when you talk about humility, when you talk about serving the needs of humanity, you're always going to find Jesus. You're always going to find some characters in Scripture. But I'm going to tell you, postmodern decades or, or the past, we're going to always go back to Mother Teresa and go, man, this woman, she got it. So look, at, look here. In verse 20, these mighty men. Verse 20, there was also Benoni, son of Jehoda, a valiant warder from Cabezil. And, and, and then you go down here, and on another time, a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit, and he killed it. Now, guys, I don't know about you. When's the last time you killed a lion? In a pit. On a snowy day. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's there's a great exposition writing on this. It's called The Lion in a Pit on a Snowy Day by Mark Batterson. Just write it down. You, you ought to read it. It's a great read. I, I took some men here through that book, and when I was reading the scripture this week, I went, man, I've, I've read that before. And then you just go on down, you see that he, he's, a, he's a warrior is who he is. He, he's a warrior for David. And then go all the way down to verse 39. He lists all these names, which I'm not going to try to pronounce. But I can pronounce verse 39. Uriah the Hittite. See, David has now repented of how he has set his friend up, how he has had him killed on the line of battle to take his wife. But I find it interesting that he is remembered here once again as a mighty warrior, Uriah. I'm like, God, you don't, you don't forget anything, do you? And then you, you read through here, then you go over to chapter 24, and we talked a little bit about last weekend, and David takes a census, and he wasn't supposed to take a census, and there was a lot of pride in there, and he wanted to do it, and God did not instruct him to do it, and he did it. And then in verse 10, he has conscience, he has um, conviction, he is burdened. He is troubled because he's gone against the Lord. You and I, side note, when you sin against God, you should be troubled. Your conscience should bother you. In Jesus Christ, your conscience is super sensitized by the Holy Spirit in the church said. See, if you sear your conscience, burn your conscience, callous your conscience, you don't hear. And, and, and I love this principle here. So, so he does. In verse 14, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Do not let us fall into human hands. But look what happened as a result of sin here of David. 70,000 men, you just, you just probably read through it, they, they lost their life, not good. In verse 17, there it is, ownership. When David saw the angel, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and I've done wrong. I'm the one that should suffer. Just an amazing concept here that he takes responsibility and you move on to the next page. And David replies, I've come to build your threshing floor to build an altar to the Lord. And it will stop the plague. And the Bible says that the plague stopped 
and God removed it because, I think because David was a leader, he was a servant, he was broken, he, he worshiped God. But then go to verse 24, you, you just got to see some of these things. But the king replies to Aruna, no, I insist on buying it for you, this field here, because he wants to make sacrifice. I will present, I will not present a burnt offering to the Lord, my God, that has cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. And then the plague stops. You and I should never give the Lord anything that doesn't cost us. It's a great principle of God. When you worship, it should cost you. When you live, it costs you. To worship Christ completely, it costs. Worship costs. We just think, oh, let's just run to Grace Mountain. And I love Grace Mountain, and mercy is good. But worship costs Christ his life on the cross of Calvary. And worship costs us. It costs us to die, that we might live, that we might find life. And I, I just get excited about these concepts. There's, a, there's a, a bigger concept here. There's a commitment to the glory of God in David. David's like, but God, I glorify you. He's committed to that. In our own legacy, is our legacy to promote self or God? We, we just have to make a choice. And the other thing I see, I see a precursor to grace. David's life is rooted deeply in the grace of God. So he knows what it is to sin and to sin greatly and to lose a son because of his sin and to have soldiers killed because of his sin. Da David knows sin costs. Have you ever seen this principle before? See, sin costs Jesus the cross. And, and we know that. We're New Testament Christians. But we read the Old Testament and I'm seeing cost, severe cost. It costs David. There, there's so many parallels to Jesus through David. He sits in the line of David. I mean, it, it's just an amazing concept, grace, the great legacy. But you know what David's great legacy is? It's not the temple, because God doesn't allow him. He, he allows David to raise the money, but, but he doesn't allow David to build the temple. You know what David's legacy was? I want you to write it down. David's legacy was a son. A son. His legacy was King Solomon. He left a son to rule in the kingdom. And I think about our lives. We have a legacy if we have kids and grandkids. And they are our legacy, part of our legacy that we leave behind us. We can lead businesses and churches and organizations and on and on and on, but at the end of the day, we leave a family. And David's legacy was a son. He said, I will establish his kingdom forever, magnificent building that Solomon built, no doubt, in 40 years of the reign of Solomon, but when you study the life and the history of Solomon, it's interesting, folks. Taxes were high, morality eroded. A thousand women were part of the kingdom of Solomon. And through that, he introduced false gods and pagan gods into the kingdom, and they worshiped them. Somebody asked me today, they said, some of these kings, many of these kings, they don't end up so well. They don't. And so many reasons, but always because they lost focus. You and I, when we, when we lose focus, it goes south. Our, our legacy is not something to be uh, wanted by others. And, and Peter, Jesus says, but I want to build a house. I want to build a spiritual house in you. It's a house that my son, that the spirit resides. The, the enduring legacy of David, but the enduring legacy of all of us in this room, is King Jesus. He's, he's the legacy that will last forever. And so I wrote down here, what legacy, uh, matter of fact, move a couple of screens. I've got a, a thing that says, what legacy will I leave? The legacy we leave really is a reflection of what is important to us. 
That's the legacy that we leave. It's a reflection of what's important. You're like, but no, I'm setting out, I, I, I've drawn it out, I, I've, I've, I want this legacy for my life. And, and God's like, no, the legacy that you're really going to leave is what you have reflected upon, and what's really important to you, it's become the obsession, it's the treasure of your life. And you reflect on it often. Now, it could be a football team. It could be a home, a job, a firm, uh, just anything. I mean, you, you just like, man, this is, this is what I reflect on. This is my legacy. This is what I will leave to others. Or is it an eternal legacy of Christ? And we leave a championship faith to Christ. Matter of fact, I, I wrote down here the legacy of David. I, I just want you to see this. I, I think it's amazing. In 1 Kings eleven four, 4, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. His heart was fully devoted to the Lord his God, was not fully devoted, as the heart of his David had been. As part of the legacy of David was a son, Solomon. And Solomon did some good, but he also, he, he lost focus. And that became part of his legacy. Look at 1 Kings 15, 3. He committed all the sins his father had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. His God as the heart of David, his forefather, had been. 1 Kings 15, 11. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done. So things are a little better here. 2 Kings 22, 2. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. That was part of the legacy of David. But I really like the next one. It's Malachi... To Matthew. Here it is, Matthew 1 1. Look at, look at this. This is part of the legacy of David. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of who? David and Abraham. That, that whole line, that Davidic covenant, that David line, that great love of God for David. And so I got to thinking, I, I did so much research this week. I, I, was, I was reading these stories, and of course, you have to go to 1 Kings and Chronicles, but I read this thing about family life. Uh, they come on the radio, Dennis and Barbara Rainey. They're, they're an amazing couple. They're about building families for Christ. It's, it's awesome. But listen to what they said. In leaving a legacy, a couple points you might want to write down in the margin. Absorb the fact that time is short. The scripture would be James 4.14. You are, you are just a vapor that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes away. You see... Whether you're 85 or you're 5, your life is a vapor, says the Word of God. And it's here and it's gone. So you've got to absorb the fact that we're not here very long, and so God help us to get an eternal perspective. Let me give you another one. Uh, decide whom you will serve, God or man. Part of the legacy is about who we serve. Of course, you have to go to Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua made that great commitment, and Joshua has a, a legacy of being courageous and faithful and, and serve the purposes of God. I, I get excited. And here's a third one that I want you to hear on this Thanksgiving weekend. I, I thought it was one that I needed to be reminded of, and I, I thought I would remind you. Cultivate a legacy of gratitude. See, we're on Thanksgiving weekend, so we give thanks. We give thanks for our nation. We give thanks for our food. We give thanks for our family. We give thanks for our health. We give thanks for our God. We give thanks for our church. We give thanks for whatever things. I mean, how many of y'all, here we go. How many of you are going to go around the table and go, now, boys and girls? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here, 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 family. Here, crazy uncle. Everybody tell us what you're thankful for. How many of you like doing that? 
That's what I thought. It, it goes over, it's really exciting, isn't it? But in our hearts, I hope we're saying, God, I am so thankful. And some of you do. You, you go around the table, and, and, and before your mom, your grandmother lets you eat, she says, you tell us something you're thankful for, right? Okay, well, we're not thankful. Listen to Colossians 4, 2. Keeping alert in it with the attitude of thanksgiving. Cultivate a legacy of gratitude. You know, that's what David is. He's thankful to God that has delivered him, a God that loves him, a God that has a future for him. And I'm just thinking about us. If we want to leave a legacy, part of it needs to be thankfulness. We're, we're just the thankful people. Significant. Significant in Christ. Spending our life investing in the kingdom. Going for the things that God has. Realizing that I can pursue this world and all its goods. But it is fleeting at best. It is a vapor that vanishes quickly. You could get multiple degrees. You could get millions of dollars. You could get homes and homes, cars and cars, just guns, watches, shoes, what, whatever you're into. You could just get all this stuff, but it, man, it just, it's just going to fleet. It's just going to rust. It's just going to drop. It's just going to burn. It's just not going to last. I mean, do y'all realize we're not going to carry any of this with us? I mean, it's just it's empty. Now, I'm not saying I don't like some of it. I know you do, and you're like, well, Gee, you just saved us a bunch of money for Christmas. We're not going shopping. Pastor says we're going to be misers and Scrooges for Jesus. No, I did not say that. that, that that'd be a great church. Oh, that's that church over there. They're Scrooge. They don't, man, they're just, they're, they, they don't give anything. They're minimalists. Well, a minimalist would probably be good, but anyway, let's get back to the text. So there's nothing wrong here. A godly legacy is what God wants. When we meet him face to face, what have we invested in? We, we go to the bank on legacy. And I want you to think about this for a minute. It is eternal. It is about the spirit of Christ. And part of our legacy is our family. And, we, and that's a, a bank that we go to. We make withdrawals out of the bank of family all the time. Some of us make very healthy deposits. Some of us make very healthy withdrawals because we have a rich legacy that has preceded us and that we're living in today. Just think about Robert and the legacy that his dad, I, I only met Robert's dad a few times, but when Robert speaks of his father that's passed away this, past, this year, it's rich. You, you say it with tears. You, you say it with respect and honor of that. What your dad left you and your brothers and your sister. And, and I think, man, that's what I want for everybody in the room. I want you to go, man, I, I've got a legacy that's rich. And, and a lot of you, you, you should be thankful for that this Thanksgiving. But, but listen, listen, I understand some of you are like, Man, I didn't have Robert's dad. I didn't have Robert's mom. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. I know, I know. Maybe the legacy's going to start with you, and you're going to build a legacy for Christ. You're going to build a legacy that is powerful. The family is a legacy factory. Write that, write that in your notes. When you walk away today, go, what did a preacher preach on today? He preached on the legacy of David, but he said our family is a legacy factory. And those things that we do together, it's an incubator where relationships are forged, where the truths from one generation are passed to another. And if they're wicked, sinful patterns of the past, we pass that from generation to generation. If they're faithfulness, we pass that to the next generation. What kind of mark are we going to leave on the business, on the school, on the scholastic, on the world, on the church? I, I don't know. Th those legacies matter to God. They, they, wanted, they need to be uh, faith steps, faith-based. 
All I know is the most effective legacy is, is that that's done for Christ, that that is centered around Jesus. That's the legacy that people will speak of at your service, your funeral, your resurrection. That's the service that we long to hear God about. You've been faithful. You, you've served me. You've served your church. I want to give you 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. There's three parts there. And that's what Timothy or Paul is trying to encourage us in this morning that that, that's the one worth going for. I read a story about a guy. I loved it. He was the epitome of grace. Listen, he was deeply loved by his wife and his daughters. His son-in-laws, in fact, loved him. And it said that in the death of this man, they found his son-in-laws kneeling beside the bed of their father-in-law. And afterward, one of the daughters wrote a letter and said, Our world has lost a righteous man. And in this world, that's no small thing. And I read that and I thought, man, I've done a lot of things in my life. But when it's all said and done, if they're all living and I'm dying, I pray that they would go, that's what we would say about you, Dad. It was about Christ. You, you wanted to live a righteous life for your king that you might go to see him and dwell in the house of God forever. You have fought the good fight. You have finished the race. You have kept the faith. You put on the spiritual armor. You were loyal to Jesus. Yes, there were, was a no regret living. You live for the king. At the very bottom today, I gave you growth work. I just encourage you to do that this week. Maybe some of you will have some time off and you can work. It's homework, growth work. I, I like that word, growth work. But what type of legacy will I leave? The good news is there's grace. And regardless of where we are, Christ can restore and make us new and he can turn things around. 